Welcome to Masters of Fail. I'm your host, Jose Malabo, and this is the only podcast dedicated to telling the stories of real entrepreneurs who live to talk about it. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Advanced Technology Development Center of the Georgia Institute of Technology. To another episode of Masters of Fail. It's uh, been a notable length of time since I last did an episode, but I'm glad to be back, particularly because of the guests we have today. Um, good friend of mine and one of the best entrepreneurs I've ever been around, Mahesh Shan, who is CEO and co-founder of C-Sharp Corner. Welcome, Mahesh. How are you doing? Hey, Jose. Nice to see you again. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, of course. So um, last time we met, or last, I think one of the last times we worked together, you were working, uh, I was in Philadelphia uh, working in my startup. You had a couple of enterprises up and going. You know, I have to ask you, what are you, what are you working on right now? What are you most focused on right now? Yeah, it's been a while. Um, you know, during pandemic, you know, a lot of things have changed. Uh, and so is our perspective. And as you know, there's more and more people working from home now and remote workforce is the, is the big thing. And uh, in the last two years, my focus has been 100% shifted to C-sharp. Uh, I don't know if you know about C-sharp, you know, but some audience may not know. It's yeah. a community for software developers. And yeah, now my focus is building this as the next generation platform for remote workforce. Yeah, so I think I know because you and I have known each other for over a decade now. It was uh, C-Sharp back when we first met in, Jesus, it was 2010. Uh, yeah. It was a bit of yeah. a kind of a hobby for you, right? Like, Yeah, we were like kids. Look at us yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel, yeah. we're, like, we're like old men. I got a hat on to cover my old age. Um, but <laughs> it was sort of a side project. That you're, you're completely focused on it now. Prop. Do me a favor, explain to folks like what's changed in the last 10 years where you can put all your personal um, effort behind this community as a business. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll go a little background on that, why I started it and how it started. You know, if you don't mind, it'll take a few minutes. So I grew up in India in a village, right? When you grew up in a village, you have no resources. There's nobody really telling you what to do, what college to go to. So I was one of the lucky ones who got out from the village in India and ended up doing my master's in computer science in India. And then I came to the U.S., got my job as a programmer, and I've been working programmer, you know, almost several years. While I was working as a programmer, I realized that a lot of these companies have no idea what is going on in the outside world in IT especially from the innovation, from the cutting-edge technologies, because they're so focused on solving their problems. And there's no, as a, as a software developer and programmer at that time, there's no one place for me to go and learn about what's going on out there. So I saw a need. Um, that was one of the challenges I found out. And the second was, when I was writing code, I was always, you know, I'm thinking at that time, I, it took me two hours, three hours, four hours to learn this code. There's a lot of people are trying to do the same thing. What if I share my code and people can also learn from it and the, I can save them some time. And there's one more thing happened during the same time. I tried to share my articles. You know, when you publish in magazine, there was a magazine called MSDN Magazine and there was an online website called Code Project, uh, Code Guru, sorry. 
uh, I try to publish my these code and articles on those websites and the magazine, and they all rejected me because <laughs> my English was so amazing. Like, you know, obviously I'm in India and my native language is Hindi. So English was when I start, you know, learning here in the U.S. So they said, oh, it's bad English. So they rejected me for, uh, you know, being a bad English. And I was thinking, like, I bet there's a lot of people like me who don't get this chance to publish their content or share their knowledge because of their English. So I said, you know what? F it. I'm going to start my own <laughs> website. Uh, it's uh, So I call it Mindcracker at that time. Yeah. And yeah. long story short, that community during pandemic, we had also third, almost 30 million users, all programmers use the site. So that's when two years ago during pandemic, I thought, you know, this is a much bigger opportunity for us to build this as the next generation platform for these software developers. So send me a list of those editors uh, and uh, I'll have a talk with them because like you, English is actually my third language, not my second even. So I went through that as a kid. Uh, it was always fun when you're talking to people, uh, they start to speak slowly because of the way I look. <laughs> you're like, hey, man, uh, we're going to have a discussion after this. But yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I don't, I don't think people caught it, man, when you said it. Um, and I didn't know it until we talked recently, uh, the last few months. You went from 2010, 2011, when we, we were you know in Philadelphia together, um, from, I don't know, a couple million people using... What is that? What was that Minecracker to? Dude, you just said 30 million. Like, yeah. that's that's a sick number. Um, yeah. That's 30 the, million unique annual visits on the site? Yeah. Yeah. These are 30 yeah. million unique annual visitors. Okay. So not, to, the, not the visits. Visits are 77 million to be, to be exact. Okay. So um, let's get let's get to it then on the C-sharp part. Because, you know, you know, when we met, I just left LinkedIn. Um, they had a pretty sick exit. And in my opinion, $30 billion acquisition from Microsoft um, after going public at a two or three X valuation to the IPO, which is pretty significant. Um, I think when we first met, you were like, Jose, no way IT developers, IT and software developers are going to be on LinkedIn. I was like, are you crazy? I just left there. There are plenty yeah. of them. Like, like, tell me, tell the audience what the supposition is that somehow LinkedIn isn't built for IT and software people. Is that, because that's what you and I yeah. had many, no, many yes, arguments. I told you, you, because, yes. You and I used to argue to the, the hilt about this. I, I'm still telling you it's the same thing because programmers are different mindset. These are the people who are building the world, right? If you look at the, look at the future, everything is built by programmers, okay? Our homes have all these software running, cars are running, companies are running, everything is run on software. Uh, you know, um, as you, you know that, so their mindset is, you know, saving the time. They're like, if I'm thinking every time, every minute, I don't want to waste my time. And that's the philosophy with C Sharp is look at LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great tool, but it's all, you know, it's for marketers, it's for recruiters. Sure, I go there when I need a job, if I'm a software developer, but that's all I care about. I'm not going to go hang out there. And then everybody's contacting me, haunting me, sending messages because end of the day, these guys go, put their heads down, build software, solve problems. That's what they do. So um, I, did, I did a little homework before the yeah. show. 
And, yeah. and truth be told, I've moved completely into your camp. That was a that rhetoric for the folks listening and perhaps watching. I'm going to look at this video and see if I look terrible, and we may publish the video. Back then, no, you look just, you look great. You look great. I have my heritage hat on, so people don't know where I'm from. I they'll know after they see this. Um, so I got to your side of the camp because I got closer to product and through through my two startups. Um, moving closer to UX research and design, and then eventually taking the plunge and pummeling my brain with becoming a web developer, which I'm not one, but I went to a couple boot camps and I realized I don't want to be a developer or software architect. It's a different world, right? That's what I learned from going through all those boot camps. Um, I can read code, I can't develop, develop code. And that's when I was like, holy shit, he is 100% right. Um, so my homework on this was that I looked in the, in the at a global level for those who are into math listening today, there's something like almost 60 million people that have IT or software developer backgrounds or professions in the world, right? Yeah. Um, there are about 16 million on LinkedIn today. Yeah. That is a disproportionately low number of IT and software people that exist on earth that are using LinkedIn. And it makes a ton of sense to me, Mahesh, and I'll, and I'll shut up. You can talk. It makes a ton of sense to me because going back to my days at LinkedIn, the, the entire kernel of that software was to connect the highest, most inclined networking type of people in the real world, right? And that is yeah. me, a marketer, biz dev, go-to-market communications person, right? Yeah. Because creating that network density early on means I need to optimize for those people that are doing it in the real world now. And that is a hundred percent why I was like, Mahesh is right. Jose is wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not about right or wrong. It just, sometimes you just don't know the, the big picture. And I, I've lived that because I am one of them. So I'm just saying what I am. It's not like I'm not, I don't need market research to tell me or anybody. Right. Um, uh, but I feel like it's not for me. I feel like it's not for a lot of developers, right? Because their mindset is different. Um, and that's what we thought is C-Sharp has this niche market that we need a place for all these software developers where not only they can just go and network, but they need other things too. Like they need social life. They need, they need uh, education on latest, you know, software is changing so much. Like AI is here now, blockchain is here. Every three months, there's something new coming out. So where is that one place where I can just go and learn everything on one page? That's where we are building. There's nothing so, out there right now. So give me, give me the 30 second C-sharp corner. What's it for developers? What, is it, what do you do when you're there? Because that's obviously not built for me per se. Um, and then where is it going? Because the business side of it is I think what people that tune into podcasts like this want to understand is like, what's the lesson in the business of this that they can take for their own startup? Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So it's a lot of answers to, it's a lot of, lots of things to unpack in that question. Um, so C Sharp Corner, you know, what we want to be is we are building it. So when you are a software developer, you're writing code, that's all you do as your full-time job. And you want to learn new things, what you're working on. You go there and say, okay, these are the new things. You want to improve your code. You're like, okay, this is how you do better than I've been doing for so many years. But you want to keep up to date yourself on what should I be learning? 
Should I get a new training? Should I get a new certification? Should I talk to somebody who can even help me and mentor me? So we are building this. This um, it's no different than LinkedIn and Coursera or Git, you know, GitHub combined. GitHub. Right. Yeah. So those are. If you think of a GitHub, Code Academy, or Coursera, and LinkedIn is a social network. It's a learning. It's code sharing. That's a platform we are building. Then, on top of that, we are also adding the skills badges and certifications, and also giving people our developers chance to even come out of their shell and become a podcaster and speak and interview. So it's like a building the whole personality. When I look at a profile on C-Sharp Corner for a person, I can tell, okay, this person has this much experience in these technologies and this is their work live. I can see them. This is certifications, this kind of job they have done, and this is what they're looking for. You have to keep in mind, Jose, that the, the workforce has changed so much, especially new generation coming out. They're not just like us. They're not just looking for a job only, okay? They're looking for a satisfaction. They're looking for a work-life balance. They're looking for uh, where they can make an impact. So they're looking for companies that matches where their thought process is, their need is. So it's like we are we want to be the, like a match, match.com for software developers in the companies or the project owners who are hiring them. If you look at the numbers, I'll give you a number, you'll be amazed that I believe 82 to 86% software developers are unhappy at work. 82%. That's a big number. That's a, and you that's know a why? big number. Why? That's I mean, a that's big a number. number. That, yeah. it, it means that literally nobody's happy. Okay? Not you know why? Because, yeah, exactly. And I did my research and that's because either they are not happy with their company or their manager or the project they're working on. So if we solve that problem, if we match make the right project and right manager and right company with the right developer, I think we're solving a big problem here. Yeah, so I, that's a, I don't want to try to unpack the 82%. That's significant because I think that's probably more disproportionate than the general non-IT software workforce. Um, you know, uh, that's a significant issue considering how much demand there is for, you know, IT and software people globally. Um, that basically, you basically are just, and in, I'm inferring people are in the wrong jobs for what their skill set and aspirations are and reskilling and upskilling them and replacing them or putting them in the right place is what your approach is. So you rattled off, and, and there's a question on this, you rattled off GitHub, familiar with it. Coursera, Code Academy, Course LinkedIn, all, I would have to Google it, all significant um, platforms, all exited. Um, you're saying you're a mashup of that. It feels like the underlying through line is that it's an education platform in a community setting. Is that fair? Professional. It is. It, yeah. it, yes. So the di other big difference here is that all these companies we just mentioned, besides GitHub, they are centralized entities. They're controlled by these companies, right? Even though users yeah. are con contributing the content. Our content, not only the content, but even our platform is driven by our users. So we have these programs where our community decides what feature they want to launch. They also contribute. So we are building this platform on top of blockchain and tokenization where our users 
contributors will become start becoming the owner of the platform so think about if you are in a you are in linkedin right now you go and post something an article or blog or even your pictures you get nothing but the likes what am i going to do with likes those days are gone where i'm happy with the likes right this young generation gen z are demanding that i don't care about likes and views anymore i'm done with that i want to earn something from it so in our case you're going to start earning this token and hence the ownership of the platform so that's a big big shift in the world coming up so this is a i think a segue to one of my last two questions uh and that is you know the theme of the show is is it's a little cheeky it's called masters of fail and really the idea there is um i've i've started three companies myself and i've learned a ton and i'm applying that to my current job at a B round ed tech company, because I learned a lot from those failures, right? And failure isn't a negative. It's, you know, just failure is a stepladder to success. Um, yeah. You go back to all the, you know, Edison days of how did he figure out a light bulb while well, 2000 something failures. Um, you've had other ventures. I was involved with one of them briefly as a marketing guy. This feels different to me. What you just said, you've never said before. You've always been very product led in your startups, right? And I always yeah. pushed back. I was like, hey, man, it's way too many product features for the MVP. And, but this feels different. You basically said for the first time, and since I've known you, like, this is a community being driven. And now you're tokenizing or putting currency in the, in, in the community. I got to tell you, man, this, this feels a little bit like this little company I used to work for called, called eBay, which is right now worth about $49, $51 billion in market cap, right? After a little bit of an issue during my time there, wasn't causal. Uh, it's corollary. They are a pretty valuable community-based e-commerce platform now. Yeah. Um, so uh, let me go back to the question I had originally in mind for this. Other product-led ventures, what did you take from them? Because, man, you've had more companies than I have like that are putting you're putting into to C-sharp because 30 million annual users is no small number. Um, you got to be taking some of those lessons into this. Yeah, there's a lot of lessons learned from, you know, as you, you said, you started three startups. I started probably 12, 13 to be <laughs> not started. I've been, that's I started and obviously, except yeah. two of them, I don't even recall them. They are, you know, lost a lot of money. So, you know, I made a lot of money in my life through my consulting and, you know, uh, but I also spent a lot of them building those. Yeah. But every startup, we learn something, you know, some. Some startups I learned, okay, I not to spend too much money early days. Other one I learned that, um, you know, as you, you've been saying for a while that marketing is important. PR branding is important, right? Back in the day, I was like, I don't care. right? But now I'm realizing that if you really want to attract businesses and capital and all those things, everything matters, right? So as a, when we start as a founder, we only focus just on our vision product and we think that everybody's waiting for us but then nobody knows about you sure it may be a great product but if you don't have right pr right branding right marketing guess what people may not even know about and you'll disappear that's one thing i learned the second thing is money is very important to run these companies and sometimes i know i know some co-founders and advisor i've been to startup they raise one time let's say million dollar they feel so happy that they 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 have done it. They're already successful. You're not successful until actually as a startup, you start making your own money. Right. You cannot rely on investors' money and thinking you're successful. So you have to convert that money quickly into revenue. Otherwise, 
it will disappear very soon. For, for those of, there's two points to take from this for the audience. Well, one, Jose and Mahesh have educated each other and have a friendship based on the happy medium that marketing and product and engineering all matter at the same time. Um, so that took 13 years for us to publicly yes. announce. Uh, someday we'll talk about some of those arguments. Yeah. <laughs> we used to have that. It was, <laughs> that was some of the funniest stuff I've ever, I look back at that and I'm like, what the hell? If people could listen to this, what the, if your neighbors could have heard what we were saying. Yeah. The funniest, funniest the things ever. Yeah. And then probably the third one for those, I do have entrepreneurs that do listen to this and find this. Um, the biggest thing, what you just said is, is probably the truest thing from a product market fit. People don't wake up as human beings, whether they're parents, you know, spouses, husbands, whatever, um, with your product on their brain. They wake up thinking, I got to go to work. I got to feed my children. Uh, Oh my goodness, I don't have the dry cleaning. No one wakes up and goes, oh God, Jose and Mahesh have this great startup idea for this community of IT people, or Jose has this great social commerce idea. No one in the world wakes up that way. They are basically at Maslow's lowest hierarchy of survival when they wake up, right? right? So you're right. You're right. And so let me ask you, because you've been doing this, when I say this, entrepreneurship, uh, as long as I have been, um, a, lot of, a lot of crap's happened in the world since then. Um, like, I don't recognize this, the, even the deal terms that are being called seed, pre-seed, A or B. That changed. Like... You know, when I was at LinkedIn, we were a C round. I think it would probably, in today's world, I don't even know what that is. Um, so what has changed for you in terms of being an entrepreneur? Now you're on the cusp of blowing up C-sharp corner. Um, 20 years, it was a different discussion of like what, what you did raise money, who you partner with. Like, what's that lesson like for you? That's a big, big difference, right? So I had a startup. I wouldn't say name or because it disappeared. And I just had a meeting with one investor and he liked the ideas like, okay, here's a $400,000, right? That was just like that. Crazy. Um, just crazy. Right? Crazy. Yeah. That was, you know, 15 years ago, 12 years ago. But now today, if you're trying to raise money, investors have become smarter and they have seen so many failures as well, like start, you know, entrepreneurs have. So they not only look for a good team, strong team and great idea, but also your product have to be ready and you have to have something to show them. You have to prove at least a little bit, little bit that, oh, we have X number of people or customers are already using it. And by the way, they're paying, not just using it. Yeah. So if you don't have that, it'll be really hard to raise money. And then those, especially in the last three years, the crazy valuations have gone, uh, disappear now. It has to be very realistic based on the numbers. Um, so that, that's changed. And again, partnerships and also I've seen, you know, investors are asking us, they already know we are a big community, right? They know the users. We have all the numbers, we have proven them, but they also want to know, okay, how much money do you, did you really make this year and how much you planning to make next year? By the way, not just the numbers, they want to verify where this money is coming from. So if uh, any Anybody who's listening and trying to raise the money, that's why you have to be ready for that. Yeah, it's, I haven't done a raise in six years. Um, I can't imagine how 
different it would be if I tried to do the same thing now with the pitch I had then. So before we call it a day on this episode, because I think all those other things are, are probably episode 1A and 1B for us. Um, walk me through the elevator pitch on C-Sharp in terms of, you just said, look, investors need to know about users, revenue, source of revenue. Like, where are you with C-Sharp right now? Give me the 30-second elevator on that. Well, C-Sharp, we are building the next generation platform that uses the gamification and tokenization approach to reward our community. And we are trying to build this for developers, not only where they can learn and grow, but they can also find their next company or job where they will be happy. That's where we are going with it. And so it's specifically, specifically. Yeah. So I, I understand Good. that part, but specifically, Walk us through them. You said 30 million. How many members you have now? What's the revenue look like for this year? How do you see revenue moving for next year? Like the things that so you we, just- uh, Yeah. Okay. So I think, yeah, I think um, we covered this a little bit, but yeah, we have 30 million, almost 30 million annual users. They come and visit our site. So biggest thing we are doing is we now try to convert the these users into registered members. We so already have three plus million register members. We have three plus million register yeah. members. We get organically, we get 500 members register automatically right now. We are not doing so, any marketing. Yeah. So this, I, I, I we're going to go a little longer on this one, man. So yeah. 30, 30 million active annual, I'm sorry, 30 million annual visits that use the site. 3 million are members, which means they signed up and they're using it like every month or something, yes. right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And this kind of goes to our previous point. All this stuff is happening organically? Yes, 100% organically. We have spent zero money on marketing, nothing. It's because we've been publishing this new content, innovation, sharing, all that. So it's, a lot of this is community-driven. Yeah, so um, there is, yeah. That's, a, that's a form of marketing. It's, it's basically a network effects of word of mouth, right? But you're, mm-hmm. when you say marketing, it's not like you're buying billboards or, or Google ads, no. right? Yeah, you've so never this, done that, yeah. So that's where that's where I said earlier, this feels a ton different than the other product-led stuff where I did do marketing with you, that this is coming from the member base. If you take a look at the history of eBay, it grew out of the community. In fact, that's what we call it, that. Like that, the whole term okay. of community, like it yeah. started with eBay and that was, you know, how it became what it is, um, was yeah. it was community-led. So, okay, keep going. Those, that's, those are sick numbers. For those who don't understand the scale and why I'm so... Gog, those are pretty amazing scaling numbers. 30 million, 3 million, and whatever you're going to say to top revenue. Yeah. And I think so. Our, I think we'll have about close to $700,000 million, $700, revenue this year. We just launched revenue this year, 2023. Next year, we're looking for a, almost like 5 million revenue coming from our advertising and uh, consulting, recruiting, obviously and some membership uh, revenue from these gonna, three. I'm going to need a, a couple, I'm going to need some free C sharp swag. If uh, you're yes, five definitely. Million. I'm going to need a new hat that says, yes, I, a new hat that says C sharp. I told you so. Um. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Listen, man, it was really good catching up with you. I am go, I, I'm now, uh, it's beholden for me to actually get on C sharp and start playing around with it. And, um, 
you know, if you haven't already thought about it, you should probably start doing webcasts or podcasts from your community because that's a crazy amount of people listening to you over there. This is love. So I love this, right? We're just talking and sharing stories. This is amazing. Uh, yeah, we are, we probably, this is a great idea. We're going to probably start a podcast. I think we should start on, to be honest, on the startups and what we learn and how any entrepreneur can, who is starting their own journey, what they can learn from others' mistakes like you're already doing here. And maybe I'm going to have you there on, uh, as a guest or a host as well. Uh, listen, I'm happy to do it. I'm also happy to go back to North India. Um, I think I told you before, when I'm in North India, they think I'm a local, which is fantastic. Uh, I feel like I get the better food. <laughs> yeah. And when I'm in South India or in the West, people absolutely know I'm Filipino. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's a deal, man. So congratulations on all the growth. It's always good to see you. And next time in Philadelphia, we're definitely going to have to go out for some chai. Yes, definitely. And thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, looking forward to the next episode, perhaps even Mahesh talking a little bit more about uh, the tokenization and gamification because that stuff went over my head. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you real soon. Take care.